Hey guys, Dominic Neshi here with my co-founder, dear friend, Peter Esho. Uh, mate, thanks for jumping back on. You've thanks taken a, a little hiatus. Thanks for putting up with me and um, I'm glad I got an invite back. Oh, mate, it's, it's your show. Uh, we don't have you on enough. But probably people out there are probably he- tired of hearing my voice. So I should give it a break for a minute. <laughs> I have uh, to give people gaps in between my sessions um, yeah. because I think I go really deep and, and we hit some really hard topics. So... Trying to, trying to pace it out and not overwhelm everybody. Well, today's episode is no less, um, I'm going to say insightful, uh, a little scary. Um, look, we were doing sh- the shows back when the market was screwed in many instances. Yeah. It felt like no investments were going well. Property market wasn't moving. Uh, the share prices tumbled at one point in time. Um, and it was difficult. We're telling people to keep a cool head, jump into the market, make very level-headed decisions, but be brave. Now, it's the other side. I feel mm-hmm. like there's a lot of brave, adventurous, crazy things happening in the market. And every other day, uh, I'm seeing one stock, one coin, one market jumping by 10, 20, 30, 100 times. And when my dad starts telling me about Dogecoin, then, I, then I'm like, all right, there's something going on now. We need to talk about it because people are going to make some serious mistakes. Yeah, it's amazing how much sentiment can change in, in, in a year. And you're right. Last year, we sat down in the eye of the pandemic and we knew because we had seen, we had seen highs and lows before and we came out and we said we didn't have a crystal ball, but what we did have was perspective and context. And we said, if the government response is as it seems, we will be okay, particularly in Australia. We, 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 we will come out of this with asset prices rising and um, things will actually look better. And people thought we were crazy. So you can go back and listen to the podcast, have a listen, um, you know, podcasts anywhere from like 20 to 30, I think it was, episodes 20 to 30, or maybe a little bit after that. And you will see we were t- looking through the valley and that's what we're doing today. We're looking through the valley and saying, the market is at a certain point today, but what happens next? What happens in 6, 12, 18 months? Not just on real estate, which is our love and our passion, but in other areas too, which will impact what we believe will happen in real estate in the next few years, including cryptocurrencies, including stocks, including silver, including all these things that everybody has now generated such a strong conviction about. And we can talk today, Dom, about why we believe um, people are so so risk tolerant and how that risk aversion has switched towards risk tolerance. Mm. Well, it's, you know, this is the kind of stuff that we learned early days. You and I both went to uni, we did our finance degrees and we started off as financial planners, you're a stock analyst. Um, and it's a, almost a cyclical nature with the way that investments work where, you know, when one's working really hot, when stocks are going off, then property's normally suffering. And then when suffering, when, when property's doing really well, people start to diversify and they look for maybe more liquid assets. It's, there's different sort of cyclical things that are happening in the market. And in, in this environment, it's interesting because people are looking for... I feel like people are looking for the easy wins. You know, the temptation is always there to go and find the next fad or next it thing. Um, and by the way, is it doggy coin, dog coin, dodgy coin? I call it doggy coin with my kids, but I think it's dodge coin. Okay, cool, cool, cool. But, but <laughs> it's, I just wanted to make sure that I got that correct. But, you know, you've been interested in coins 
for a long, long time and you've been invested and you've done quite well in it. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that environment and what's actually happened and what, what you're kind of seeing and yeah. what people should be aware of? Yeah, for sure. So I think what happened, if we, if we take a step back and say, how did we get here? We all know that the pandemic was a big health, cultural life shock. But I think what slipped through the headlines for many is the government response on the money side of the equation. So there's no doubt as you walk through your malls and your, your suburban shopping strips, you can see economic disruption. You can see stores closing down, people losing their jobs, worse overseas than it is in Australia, but no country is immune from it. And yes, there has been an economic shock. However, the response has been disproportionate. Okay, and what I mean by that is that if you have a look at the amount of money that has been created overnight, governments printing money, JobKeeper, JobSeeker here in Australia, and all these ways to pump money into the system, what's happening now is that is disproportionate to the economic pain that has been caused. Yeah. And that is why today people are now, those that do have the ability and do have the means and do have their jobs are now ne developing the fear of missing out. Oh no, I didn't buy property last year. I need to buy it now. Oh no, I didn't buy Bitcoin. I didn't buy stocks. I didn't buy all these things. So we are now in a phase, 2021 I believe is going to be a very, very crazy market because the response was crazy in 2020. And so we have to understand there's so much money that's being created and floating around. And the worst place that you and I have been saying to have been in is just sitting in cash and doing nothing. Because if you had an X amount of cash, three, four, five X amount of cash is being created on top. And it's like any asset, you know, anything that you have, if it's copied and replicated, it becomes less valuable. So what's happened, Dom, is cryptocurrencies and coins, some of them are rare, right? You can't increase the amount of supply like a government can print money. Um, and anything that's rare, anything that you can't increase overnight has gone up in value. Used cars have gone up in value. My dad yep. was telling me he bought a car last year and the same car after driving it for six months, he can sell it for 20% more because <laughs> there's been a shortage of the amount of cars that we've been able to import. Furniture, um, you know, go on Facebook Marketplace and see what people are paying for used furniture. People were throwing it away two years ago. Today they're trading it. So coins that are rare, real estate, gold, silver, everything valuable has started rising and I believe will continue to rise. These different wealth stores, you know, people see it as another currency, another way of storing their money or diversifying out of cash. Um, which brings me to my next point, which is, you know, I mentioned my dad and I mentioned other, other people that talk to me, you know, you're a center of influence in your life. You have family, friends, relatives that approach you and say, hey, what do you think of this, that, or the other? Yep. Same for me. I get people coming and saying, well, now what do you think of this, that, or the other? There's different types of investments. And this is, it's a scary environment because now I have to remind them that to stick to the fundamentals. They don't listen, right? <laughs> Some. <laughs> That's the worst part. People yeah. will ask you for advice. What do you think of, and you'll spend 20 minutes explaining it and they won't listen to you. No. 
And it's crazy because I will say, look, property is going to return 10, 20, 30% over the next, say, three years. Um, and to them, it doesn't seem like that is exciting because this coin or that mm. stock did Double. 100 times. Yeah. You know, or did 1,000% or 800%. So let's maybe talk about coins. We'll get that out of the way. Yeah. And then we can talk about maybe this the sensible stuff, right? So I think what's happened is cryptocurrencies are a new thing. It's like, to me, it's like the internet when, when it first came out. Like if you had told somebody in 2000 that you will be able to pay our staff, build a business, travel, um, invest and, and buy a property online 20 years ago, they would have thought you were crazy. But today it's the standard, it's the norm. So I think what's happened is cryptocurrencies and digital money overall, mm. I, I haven't had notes in my pocket for, 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 for a very long time. All my money is digital. And cryptocurrencies are the same thing. They're just a digital form. It's not a government-issued currency. It's a peer-to-peer -peer traded currency. And so what's happened is they're coming into the, the, the mainstream. People coming are understanding how to use them, can see the benefits of them. I can send money to my relative overseas, bypassing the banking system. Um, you know, I use Dogecoin, for example. I use it with my children. So my daughter, Sophia, is always asking me to buy her things. So I said to her, look, why don't you install a cryptocurrency wallet? I will pay you your uh, weekly allowance in, in any coin you want. Mm. And then when you want something, you have to transfer it back and I'll buy the thing for you, right? Just to teach them about money. And she picked Dogecoin because it's a, it's a dog, it's funny, um, it's exciting, it was at one cent. And, and what's happened is, um, you know, Dogecoin has increased and now she regrets all the money she's spent. So she's starting to develop uh, a knack for investing. And she's gonna grow up with her friends that are playing Roblox, playing all these video games, and they're, and they're using digital currencies to buy credits, and this is gonna be the standard, right? So in business and in the generations that are coming uh, in the future, digital currencies aren't going to be a weird thing. So I believe that this is a secular, legitimate thing, and just as the tech, when, when, real, when tech um, internet stocks came out, um, you know, Amazon, Amazon, um, during the tech boom, lost 97% of its stock price, mm. right? It slumped 97%. But today, it's, it's the second most valuable business in the world or, or the most valuable business in the world. So we're going through these stages, but these are going to be real things. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because people don't really appreciate how something becomes valuable and where the, the value is stored. Like... These currencies are just as legitimate as, you know, government-issued currencies. And the only reason why government-issued currency has any value is because we believe it has mm, value. Exactly. Soon as the belief for that currency is removed, yeah. soon as there's less and less people that don't believe in the value of that currency, it starts to devalue. Yeah. You know, as soon as you're seeing more and more of it being printed, the supply becomes more freely available, that's when it loses its value. And that's the reason why people are transitioning, why they are using these other currencies, because they have other um, values. There's other ways for you to use it. There's um, you know, certain freedoms that come from it. That's the legitimate layer. And then on top of that, there's the excitement and the speculation. That's right. So Dogecoin's very different to Bitcoin. Bitcoin's 21 million coins, the largest market capitalization, $600 billion of value today, Dogecoin, $2 billion of value, infinite supply. 
it could continue to rise, but it's a different proposition. It's not it's not the Amazon. It might be the Yahoo or whatever that went on to do well, but in a different class. And look, what I want to bring it all back to is these things are all very tempting and they are legitimate. And I'm going to say that I'm not the most... I don't understand all the coins and I don't understand all the stocks. I don't understand how all the mechanisms work. You know, I don't know how every single one of them sort of worked and the, the relationship between them all. But that's the reason why I haven't bet so much money in them. Well, you're sensible. You're sticking to your lane, right? You're not investing in things that you don't understand. And that's why you've done really well because you pick a lane, you stick to it, and then you're also open-minded. Absolutely. So I know you're opening up your mind and you're going to go through that journey and you're going to see it and find the conviction and decide whether it's right or not for you. And that's what's critically important because I understand that there are people out there that have that same layer of, they, for them, a coin is, they have the same level of understanding for a coin, a stock and property. Yeah. You know, we're trying to shed light on property and the merits of that vehicle. Um, and, you know, when we're talking about investment classes and the reason why we're saying, look, now is... It's not sexy to go and get a 10, 20 or 30% return on property compared to 1,000%. Hmm. But the fundamentals with real estate uh, remain the same, but are in fact getting better. Oh, 100%. Like I think last year was the year to be buying real estate. Absolutely. Uh, this year is a great time. And I think what happens, Dom, is next year the price will you know the market will move the year after and and the worst thing is to get in right at the top of the market and i think people who didn't get in last year and said oh it's run too hard it's going to fall back and find an excuse oh government stimulus is going to come out of the market after that i will get in no you're not because it's going to keep running and the government's going to find a new way to protect the system and protect you know asset prices and then all of a sudden it's gone up it's gone up it's gone up and right at the end of the cycle you're like that's it I can't oh, handle this I've got to do it. I've missed out. You make the most stupid decision and then you miss the cycle. Well, we I remember early days, 2013, 14, 15. I remember having conversations with many friends, family, clients, you know, colleagues. And it's hard to see or recognise, you know, the water that you're in. You don't yeah. recognise the environment you're in without context. You know, I feel like we are in the early ground or the early movements of what could potentially become a significant boom for many parts of the market. You know, I spoke to clients uh, February, March last year that pulled out of some very lucrative deals because I was scared, mm. rightfully so. They thought unemployment this, you know, uh, you know what's happening with rates, um, you know, will the government remove JobKeeper, Seeker and what will happen after that? Um, and as you said, they, the government response was so crazy. They put in so much money into at least supporting the bottom layer of the property market, which is affordability, that those prices moved incredibly. But then also the other middle markets moved very well and the top part because credit was so freely available. So now we're sitting around the room, Tiffy's buying a property, Louis buying a property, Sam's working on his investments, Jody's bought a property, you're restructuring all your finances that so you can double down again. I'm doing the same. It's maybe they're drinking. All, we're all drinking the same Kool Aid. Yeah, my thesis for property is hasn't changed 
over the past 10 years, last year. At the end of the day, you can go out and very, very easily uh, find an asset in a metropolitan city in Australia that is yielding you close to infrastructure, ticks all the boxes, is yielding you 4 to 5%. Yep. Right? For a house, maybe it's a little bit less, but let's just say an average of 4%. Um, and I can go and borrow at 2%. So I get to put 2% net spread in my pocket on, a, on an asset that has thousands of years proven. I'm able to gear that from an institution that's going to give me a 30-year loan. And so I'm automatically creating 2% value on that asset every year in an environment where I can't even get 1% in the bank, right? That's it. That's real estate. It's simple. You don't have to overanalyze it. You're not going to make your 100% returns, Mm. overnight but that asset is going to grow and compounding is very important most people don't understand compounding they think two percent or five percent growth on the asset price uh, or or ten percent growth oh that's nothing no five percent growth um, over a long period of time doubles your asset yeah right seven point two percent growth over ten years will double your asset seven percent aim for seven percent and if you just do nothing set and forget for ten years you'll double the value of your asset. The value of the asset. Um, and what we forget is the return on cash. The return on cash is crazy because you're borrowing five times. Um, so, you you know, you can go and get a loan, put 20% down. You're getting five times leverage. And some of our clients are getting 10% down. You That's know, even better. Profession or if you've got, you know, uh, if you're getting a little bit more debt or an institution can give it to you, that's... 10 times. Now the cash. hard part, the hard part is finding real estate that's going to grow by 7%, right? It's certainly. It's, and I think that's where people are going to get it wrong in this market. They're going to go and buy a crap that isn't going to grow. Um, and they're going to buy too late into the if they don't buy this year and they, and they don't make an investment decision, they're going to buy too late into the market and yep. they're not going to get 7%. I'm saying off oh, go and get 7%. But 7%, if you don't do it right, you won't get it. But I think it's when you try to outperform the market. If you, you know, try to be people, too clever. You try to be too clever. Because let's just call a spade a spade. And even if you get 4 or 5%, yeah, that's still a good return. Yeah, 4 or 5%. You wait 12 years Yeah, you double and, your money. And it's 4 or 5% growth, but you've still got cash flow. Mm. Then you still got tax deductions. And then you've still got... Um, you can still then re-leverage back on that asset again and keep on going. And we're saying that, you know, property represents a portion of your portfolio. Not all of it. In my case, it represents a very significant portion. But that's not, you know, good on my part. Um, you, you, what we're trying to say is that this is a crazy time. There's a lot of crazy energy. Um, and if you're getting taken away by all of these crazy ideas... I think is this is the moment where you need to start to be fearful. There's, it's crazy and you can do one of two things. You can fall into the craze and chase, chase, chase and lose or you can stand back and say, why is it crazy? Mm. Why are people buying shares in GameStop at $5 a share and it's going to $500 a share and it's disrupting Wall Street? Why is... You know, why are all these things happening? Why are people buying Bitcoin? Why, why are some of the smartest people in the world buying something at $35,000 a coin when it used to be 10 cents? Why are all these hap- things happening? And what is the consequence of me doing nothing? 
and what is the consequence of me actually doing something, doing something sensible. And sensible investments will always pay off in the long term. That's crazy. Um, we're not yet into March. I was, we're still in Feb. And we're starting to see government reports, well, not government reports, but early reports from um, different bodies or regulations and, and different institutions saying that uh, the government uh, may have overcooked the market. Yeah. And uh, APRA, RBA, people are starting to get a little scared that we may have too much growth and, in fact, they should start to do something to slow it down. Yeah, so Freedom of Information um, report um, basically showed that the Reserve Bank in their internal meetings, so in their own secret conversations, uh, are factoring in house prices in Australia to grow by about 30% over three years. That's about 9% compound per year if you work it out. And so this is the RBA, this is the central bank in their own discussions. The whole reason you cut interest rates to zero, the whole reason you, you throw stimulus is because you want Growth. assets to rise, right? When you don't want assets to rise, you put rates up. When you slump, so the government, central banks, they're desperate, desperate for asset prices to rise. And the biggest asset that households have is a, is a piece of real estate. Correct. Right? And so they want this. This is their aim. And so as an investor, I can build wealth and I can create a lifestyle for myself if I catch on to that and I take a sensible approach and I ride that. So the, the, there's a risk that things, that we come out of this pandemic financially better than what we assumed and we come out of it financially disproportionately better off and we go through this crazy period where we see crazy prices and it's happened before in the past, it's nothing new, crazy growth in a short period of time across everything and then governments have to do the hard work of trying to rein it all back in. Yeah, it's. I think that we're a little while away from that and, and there are still more stimulus to come. There's still um, the stamp duty being you know, peel back or turn into a land tax, which will then push the market much, much harder than it currently is because it's going to be cheaper for buyers to get into the market. There's still in March, the, the discussions are removing or taking back all the responsible lending laws. So again, that's another stimulus effect. So the market's running separate from these two major events. And when these two major events happen, we anticipate the market even running harder and faster um, then we've still got, you know, I don't want to look talk too much about it, but American politics where now, um, you His, know... Biden's going to throw another tri tri one trillion on top of the two, on top of the two, on top of the 22 that they've already spent. Trillions, right? We're now talking trillions. It used to be, I remember growing up, billions was like, wow, you know, wow. $10 billion stimulus. I remember... Um, during the GFC, my dad was driving me to the train station. I was working as a stock analyst. I'm like, Dad, this market's scaring me. He's like, no, don't worry. The government's in a really good position. They just announced a $10 trillion stimulus. I was like, what? 10, sorry, 10, 10 billion, billion stimulus. I'm getting him confused. We're now talking trillions, right? This Australian stimulus package was worth 200 billion, 20 times what Rudd did 
uh, and the first round during the GFC. Mm. So if you're going to go and, and, and throw all that money, create all that money, what's going to happen to asset prices? They're just going to run really hard. And it's not in doubt. Like the, they can just push it all the way through government. So there's no will it, can it, should it, it's happening. So cash, more cash is coming into this environment. Um, What's your, um, what are your top property picks? My top property picks? Let's give people a bit of meat on the bone. They're probably sitting thinking, okay, well, you guys keep saying, you know, buy this and buy that. Yeah, yeah, what go property, property, do? property, property. For a, for a young first-time investor... That's a good question because I've got a lot of young first-time investors. Finally, they're all reaching out to me now. Yeah. I've got my mum's friends contacting me and saying, hey, can you help my kids? <laughs> I'm like, absolutely. It gets, they feel like they're, you know, they don't want to ask. They're a bit shy, but yeah. I encourage them to ask because every time I help a client, I love buying property. Yeah. And I like because I'm helping them buy a property. So it's, it's like it's nice shopping. So, it's nicer when you're helping someone else do it, right? Yeah, I love it. I, I, I like buying for myself, but it's, it's nice helping them too. Yeah. Um, but for a first-time investor, I'm really just telling people not to overcomplicate it. Just get, get the best thing that you can afford. Make sure it's an investment, not your own home. Because even now I've got friends reaching out to me saying, hey, I want to go buy my own home. I want to buy a brand new XYZ here, there and everywhere. And I'm just harping on again, like mm. buy a good quality, rock solid investment. Mm. Look at the major CBDs wherever you're living. Try and get as close to the CBDs you can. Um, if you want to get an apartment, make sure it's in a low supply area yep. or next to a train station. Walkability is very important. Um, and if it's not going to be that, try and get some land content. I personally love townhouses at the moment because... Yeah. The government had a huge initiative called the Missing Middle. Townhouses are very exciting and lucrative. I think we spoke about it early in the year. We're seeing those property values move because it's this part between an apartment and a house. It's lovely because you get land content, you get lots of bedrooms, you're close to train stations, and you can't build many of them. That's you, true. You cut up two or three houses and maybe you get 10 townhouses, where if you cut two or three houses, you can get 50 apartments. So that supply side is limited. Um, and they're great because you've got a bit of strata. People hate strata, but I love it. It's the best deal. Strata is the best deal because I've got somebody else managing all the stuff that I don't want to do. That's exactly right. Lawns get looked after, the tiny amount of lawns. Uh, my neighbor's clean. My neighbor's not going to paint his house yellow because he's not allowed to. Yeah, they can't put an engine block at the front. You know, they can't just start doing crazy stuff. Like, they're going to get told off or they're going to get told to remove it. You've got building insurance that's built into it so they looked after it. Yeah. Um, so, townhouses are amazing. We're doing a lot of work on townhouses. I don't want to tell you all the areas. I'd rather you come and talk no, to gonna us. No, we're going to tease them, right? Yeah. We're, we're going to give them everything that we're looking at and then you guys got to reach out and yeah. see actually what the details are. I completely agree. So, townies are at the top of my list because... Another thing that I like about them is that it's a single contract. Mm. It's very uncomplicated. You put in a $50,000 deposit, you know, $60,000, $65,000 deposit. Some developers are giving us the opportunity to do half. Yep. So it's like 30K up front. If you can't find 30K, then don't worry about property. Go do something else. Go, you know, save harder. Maybe ask your mum and dad for a, a small loan. Um, and then you don't pay any more until it completes. And in the market that we're in, if you get 10% growth in that asset, 
you've doubled your money, your cash. So young investors, first time, okay, even if they're not young, let's just call them first time investors. 35's young. 35's, yeah, 35's young given new life expectancy, right? Yeah. So, all right, so basically go look for a townhouse um, or an apartment um, next to infrastructure, not oversupplied, and you don't need to shoot the lights out. You don't need to do anything difficult. You don't need to go into crazy areas. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. There's still value in that four hundred to six hundred thousand dollar price point. Would heaps you say heaps and heaps and heaps and heaps because you can also get all the government grants. Yep. Depending on your income and what you do, you can get anywhere between ten and like fifty thousand dollars in grants. And if you don't want to take the grants because you don't want to live in it, you don't want to disrupt your lifestyle. Victoria's got fifty percent stamp duty discount for everybody until June. So that's a hard deadline, right? What about somebody that has dabbled in investments, has a portfolio, has some cash sitting there? They don't want to do something basic because they've done that. They want to get a little bit of uh, dirt under the fingernails and do something creative. Mm. What, what would you suggest? So we do dual income investments. They're not. People are surprised when I say that that's my not my first choice. Yeah. The reason being is because it requires so much cash. It requires a bit more time. It's a little bit more experience. Um, dual income investments, which a lot of people won't tell you, is that. You know, you've got to go buy it. It's two separate contracts. So there's a lot more documentation. And then when you go to purchase it, more often than not, the valuations come short. Yeah. So that means if you've had to invest, you know, 65K as your 10% deposit or 55K as your 10% deposit, you have to factor in additional surplus of cash because the, depo- the, the valuations come in short. So there's another element of fear and risk that a client needs to be willing to take that additional layer of risk. You've got to have the buffer, right? And you've got to have some confidence behind you that you know exactly what you're doing and it's probably not suitable for a first-time first time investor that's, that needs their hand held a little bit. Yeah, and you're also moving into markets that are uh, allow dual income investments. So when you go into those areas, look, it's not a new topic. There are going to be other people doing the same thing as you which then means there's going to be supply. Yeah. So we're just going to be careful about how we do it. Uh, and we are. We do all of our work. We do all the research. But it just is more moving parts. It costs a little bit more cash. They're very exciting. I love cash-rich assets because once they're working, they're amazing and that enable, enables you to keep on going. What a lot of those spruikers don't tell you is like go buy four or five properties. They don't have servicing. Yeah, that's right. Where do you go? Just relax. Yeah, if you, if you can't afford to get the loan, the bank's not going to... You know, you can't buy five. What about um, a baller that's sitting watching or listening to this that have made a lot of money either in in buying Bitcoin, doing real well in their business, doing well in real estate, whatever it is, they're sitting on a very nice, healthy amount of cash. Yeah. And they're looking and saying, I'm getting screwed because I'm getting nothing on my cash. Stock market's too crazy. It's run too hard. I don't want to do anything else. I want to buy real estate. But... I don't know. What, what do I do? I, I don't want to go and buy a simple house or a deal pack. I always believe in buying the best property you can buy. And I always believe in getting something rare. You know, we talk about it all the time. We share deals amongst each other all the time. You know, I, I love getting something that can be not, not a work of art because that's, you know, a bit pretentious to say that, but get something special. Mm. Get something that's developed or built by a a developer with high integrity or an architect that's, you know, um, 
that has a name brand or get something that is unique. The reason why people, why Bondi pumps, why Kuji pumps is because it's neither water, it's unique. Yep. There's only so much available. That experience is very unique. Yep. A penthouse apartment is a very unique experience. Mm. You know, people thought that the Barangaroo prices were crazy, but they still kept on growing. Like one bedroom sold off the plan originally for, I think it was just under a million, but the valuations came back at like one and a half or something crazy. Yeah, I think Crown Barangaroo, um, two, two bedders were, I don't want to say a number, Yeah, but they were very, very high. And they managed to sell that. And guess what? Now there's a block coming up right next door. Mm. And that's achieving crazy prices too. So the iconic thing, the things that Dom's saying, if you if you talk to the developers that are developing all the time, um, they always try to keep the top, the best, the unique thing. They, yeah. Because it's their baby, right? They know what they're building mm. and they try to keep the best apartment uh, or the best one for themselves. And they're the ones that we always hunt for, for people that have the means to buy them, right? Because they are rare. Well, the thing is, if you've got the relationship, you know, we sit and have a coffee conversation or dinner with someone, you know, you can kind of, you can unpick one, two, three of these lucrative little deals. And the funny thing is that all these wannabe developers don't want to buy brand new, they don't want to buy apartments, but actually... Developers buy stock from one another. Yeah. You know, they go and find these unique opportunities. It may be CBD, maybe Eastern Suburbs, it may be, you know, Inner West, but they can see value when it's there. And they're like, that's an easy win for me. Sometimes the simplest people are the best investors because they don't overcomplicate. They don't try to be too clever. It's, it's nice and it's liberating to stand back and say, you're an expert. Um, don't be naive and let somebody take complete control of you. But it's nice to have a team. If you have a look at, you know, Goldman Sachs, um, they manage money for some of the most successful people in the world. And um, it's a set and forget, right? Some of the smartest and most successful people in the world give their money to experts and say, manage it for me, right? They can go and buy stocks and do all this stuff, but they give it to the experts and say, go, with it. So I think a, another risk is just trying to investigate too much analysis paralysis. I'm going to go and do, you know, house with a granny flat. I'm going to go and do my own duplex site. At the end of the day, when you strip it back, more times than not, it's better to go and buy something quality, leverage your time, leverage your team, mm. than try to be too clever. And look, I we fundamentally believe in all different types of property strategies. It all works. Land banking works. Developments work. Mm. Everything works. It just comes down to time, effort, you know, money, what you can do and how it all balances out. We have a very specific niche where we, we love the place that we play in and it helps the most amount of people. Yeah. That's why we chose what we do because we don't want to charge... Uh, we don't want to take cash out of our clients' pockets. We get paid by the other side. Um, but we do a lot of work for that in advance. And people that have the time, the effort, the resources, they can go and they can do a better job in some instances. They can go buy the block. They can do their own 10 townhouses and whatever. But I'm telling you, the first deal probably won't be good. Yeah. You might lose money on that one. Second deal, you might fuck up as well. So unless you're willing to make it a profession, you're 
more often than not, not going to do as well as the experts until you become the expert yourself. Mm. You know what I mean? 100%. Right on the money. Um, I want to give one key takeaway before we wrap up. Because now we're hitting the time um, threshold. So I think in a nutshell, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening out there. Um, and, you know, open up your mind and open up to different ideas. And there's nothing wrong with looking into different coins, different stocks, and just learning how the world is changing. But do it with a tiny amount of money. Um, don't go and put, you know, your biggest assets and the things that are the riskiest. Have exposure if you want to. And then with the serious money and mm. the serious investment decisions, focus on what works. Focus on the safest assets, those that are proven and trusted like residential real estate. And don't fall into the trap of sitting on the sideline and doing nothing because in two or three years' time when the markets run further, you're going to get in and it will be too late and you're going to make mistakes. Yeah, completely agree. In this market, be open but not naive. Um, be focused and use your time very, very carefully. And you know, work with people that understand something or a little bit more than you. That can save you a number of different headaches. They can save you money. They can save you time. Um, you know, keep your head on your shoulders. There's a lot of good opportunities out there. And if you got some value today, reach out, share it with your friends. You know, uh, if you've been thinking or sitting on the fence, just come and say hello. Many of our clients will sit and talk to us for many months before they actually purchase anything. So don't feel... Um, like obligated or scared or timid just you know be brave reach out say hey we're happy to help you but don't bite um and hope to hear from you all soon thank you